Hi, it's Greg and Lucky. And this is our podcast. If you don't catch us from 5 to 9, this is what you missed. A mathematician was asked to calculate what one year of quarantining together, like with a couple, what one year of a couple quarantined together would translate in to normal couple years. And the answer is, it's the same as being with someone for four years. Wow. Because you're condensing all that time you yeah. be together oh. into one. So basically we're spending four times as much time together? Yeah, if you're together for two years, it's like being with someone for five. Whoa. Yeah. And anything beyond that, it's endless. Like, it is amazing. We've been now, this is what, 11 months of this? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we were getting reports... Last year at this time, out of Wuhan, that the, the divorce rate in China was going up, mm-hmm. and divorce lawyers were were getting inundated. They'd only been going through it for like a month of <laughs> lockdown. Yeah, you know, we hear a lot of stories of people calling lawyers and that type of thing. You know, I don't know anybody in my well, I got a buddy whose marriage ended, but I don't think it was COVID related, right? Um, but yeah, I haven't heard of a lot of people I know who are separating or no. They're, well, maybe they're just keeping it to themselves right yeah. now. They're, they're in the mail-it-in category of the relationship. In their mind, yeah, they're, they're already gone. Gone. Uh, yeah, when COVID's over, there is going to be a huge sale on Samsonite luggage and U-Haul boxes. Yeah, if you're a mover, stand by. That's right. Those trucks are going to get rented. Because nobody right now wants to go looking at apartments or scouring around to find a place to live or taking right. lawyers' meetings. But when we can get out, we gone. Maybe it's almost like when we're, when you know, you're kind of on the outs of a job or you're ready to leave mm. and you just start, you know, or, or stop caring mm. and stop doing. <laughs> like, like us. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> like, like we did uh, eight years ago. <laughs> that, I'll tell you what, that first couple of months. Oh, we were was, big. We were oh. on fire. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were paying attention yeah. in meetings. Yeah. And then Elliot just took the wind out of our sails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but maybe that's what's happening in relationship yeah. right right now. People are just you know, may, maybe just putting it out there yeah. that uh, I'm doing what I'm I'm doing me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you do you, I'll do me, and uh, and just letting letting it letting it go. See what happens. Most couples say this pandemic has been the ultimate test of their relationship, and it feels like they haven't been on a date in about five and a half months. But most are still saying they're looking forward to Valentine's. On to other couple stuff, people were asked about the qualities they look for in a potential partner. Things like similar hobbies, similar taste in shows, books, and media, similar lifestyle. If someone is kind, if they're honest, that they respect you. Those all came up but top? Not up top. Oh. I'm, I'm going, I'm going t- 10 to 1 here, okay. so I'm going backwards. <laughs> going to say. Uh, things like uh, make, they make you laugh, you're trustworthy. The number one thing people want in somebody else, and this might be a pandemic answer, they want you to be a good cook. Oh, all right. Thank God being great in bed didn't show up on that list. <laughs> or money. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, can't save a dime. Won't make your eyes roll around in the back of your head. But I can make you some toast. I can boil the hell out of water. Uh, and are you into astrology? Do you believe in all the star sign stuff? Well, people sometimes really base on who they're going to date. On the star sign. Really? Because they want to be, well, yeah. There's, they, hey, listen, there's a whole industry out there devoted to astrology. I guess so. so. Uh, Pisces seem to be the easiest to get along with. Okay. And then, then Aquarius. What are you? Uh, Virgo. Okay. So Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, Sagittarius, 
This is from the easiest to the worst. Okay. Sagittarius, Libra, Scorpio. That's what you said you were? No, Virgo. Virgo, okay. Scorpio, Virgo, there you go at number six. Leo at number five. So I'm easier to get along with than you, and I believe that to be true. Get out of here. I believe it to be true. I'm barely a Virgo. (laughs) More Leo. (laughs) Um, Aries, uh, Taurus, Cancer. And the, the star sign that you should stay away from, you shouldn't date, you shouldn't definitely marry, is Gemini. <laughs> What's Adrian? Uh, I don't even know. You don't know what her well, star I, well, I don't know what the dates are for these things. How do you things? not know your wife's star sign? Well, why would I need to know this? <laughs> do you know why? her age? <laughs> have you met her parents? I have. I've gone that far. <laughs> She's a lucky lady. Star, well, what am I going to go buy that lady. little jewel for well, the... it's just, I don't know when you're with your someone. Month. Okay, who, all right. Paul, 855-432-RUCK. <laughs> who the hell out there who's been in a relationship for a long time doesn't know their wife's star sign? <laughs> How's that possible? <laughs> oh, she played for the Leafs. You'd know everything. <laughs> You'd know her skate size. <laughs> 70. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Gemini is the absolute worst. Stay away from them. I ask about Adrian because I'm married to a Gemini. <laughs> I believe a Foo Fighter is making his way into the building as we speak. No, 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 no. He's social distancing protocols. He's not allowed it. Yeah, you ruin everything. <laughs> I don't know how Adrian and the boys put up with it. <laughs> Theater of the mind, man. Oh, right. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> I would have said no. You're not allowed in, Dave. I, I know you would have. Right. Uh, so we're going to give you the opportunity to uh, have a gab with uh, the Foo Fighters coming up. Now, look, there's lots of things we can talk to them about these days. Certainly, uh, as they are uh, one of the nominees uh, now, possibly going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So what we're going to do is we're going to hear from Nate, and then you're going to text and ninth text through at 855-432-ROCK. Text medicine, you'll grab the new CD, and then on Tuesday after the long weekend, Lucky and I will find us somebody to uh, to gab with the Foo Fighters. You think they'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer? You would hope so. But, yeah. hey, but you never know. As soon as I heard this, I thought to myself, well, there's a great question. If you do go in, uh, who would you want to, um, to bring you in right. to, uh, to do the introduction? And uh, then I happened to be on Facebook this morning, and I noticed that uh, Howard Stern had already asked Dave Grohl that question. And this might be the problem with asking the Foo Fighters a question in a Zoom call, is you best have a bunch of questions lined up, because I'm going to sense that your question is going to get asked, and then all of a sudden the camera's on you, yes. and you're hooped. Um, so have a few of them. Like, I'm going to have, like, a, a list of things, and then at the bottom, if all my questions get asked, I'll be like, so anybody in the band ever have to poop during a set? <laughs> And how do you do? How do you deal with that? I might still ask that question. Remember that time you were in Nirvana? It was I, awesome. I remember speaking to uh, to uh, the hell's his name, the drummer in uh, Tea Party. Uh, Jeff Jeff what Burrows Burrows. That's it. Didn't you work with him for yeah, like years? I forgot. Don't worry, I'll forget what your name is in a couple of years as well. Um, I asked him that question once. He goes, "Oh yeah, it's it's happened." Oh, I'm he sure. Signal, he signals to the band, "I gotta go, either to poop or throw up." <laughs> Guitar solo. Yeah, go. <laughs> Let's go acoustic, guys. Lights down off the drum kit. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm sure it's happened to a lot of bands. Anyhow, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, uh, here's the bands that may be finding their way in. Rage okay. Against the Machine, Foo Fighters, Jay-Z, Mary J. Blige, Tina Turner, Iron Maiden, New York Dolls, Devo, Carol King, LL Cool J, Todd Rundgren, Diane Warwick, uh, Shaka Khan, 
Go-Go's Kate Bush and somebody named Fila Kuti, whoever that is. All right. Yeah. Um, there, there has been a, a move or a, a movement to just name it like the Music Hall of Fame mm. and not the Rock and Roll Seems Hall to of throw fame. people off, yeah. Because it, it does. Now, you know, someone will hear like Jay-Z on there and go, there's absolutely no business mm. for, for him being in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Although he did do a Collision Course album with Linkin Park, which was really good, mm-hmm. where they kind of you know, did one of those mashups. Um, yeah, Rage Against the Machine is a band that it, it, it was a huge influence. Iron Maiden... Uh, on that list, uh, you know, Mary J. Blige doesn't come across as being a rock artist before the Foo Fighters go th- in, at least. Yeah, I think what's happened with music now, certainly more than ever, and you hear it with the likes of Machine Gun Kelly and others, is that there is a blend more and more, a yeah. mixture of rock-sounding, blues-based guitar and drums with that of rap or more of a, a, a pop beat. And, and so... That fusion seems to be happening a lot more, which I know drives a lot of people crazy. So down the road, a lot of these bands, it'll all just be kind of blended out and maybe the term rock and roll. Because I think the problem is when we say rock and roll, we think 1960s, 1970s, Right. you know. Uh, I always find it interesting, you know, the discussion and the debate about who's nominated the discussion I always find interesting is those who get snubbed year after year. Yeah. Like the list of bands that were huge, that for one reason or another, and you're right, like about a Mary J. Blythe, incredibly talented. But when the likes of, you know, uh, Megadeth or Dave Matthews Band, uh, Warren Zevon, Emerson Lake and Palmer, Motorhead, um, uh, Ozzy on his own, Styx, but Jake Isles Band, Jane's Addiction, Pixies, Smiths, Iggy Pop. Not in there. Soundgarden, not in there. Oasis, not in there. You know, it's interesting that for one reason or another. And Motley Crue, which just gets snubbed every year. Right. I wouldn't even let them in. <laughs> but, um, but I always find it very interesting. And maybe it's a, it's a music elite, elitist thing. Mm. That those who are on the board, probably it's that thing of looking down their nose at like a Motley Crue we, yeah, or a Motorhead. Yeah, we're just going to keep you out because we can. Yeah, and because you're just not, there's not some kind of cool element to you. Right. Or in their perceived mind, yeah. there's not some cool element. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, Oasis is one where you look at, you know, bands of the 90s. The biggest band to come out of yeah. Britain. Yeah. So anyhow, this all uh, will uh, happen once again in Cleveland, and we will see. I'm sure the foos will go in. Make perfect sense. Nirvana's already in, yes? Yes. So this would be for Dave Grohl number two. We'll see if uh, Doug Elliott makes his way to New York for this one, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. Finds a way to slide his way oh, in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. He did for Nirvana. Yeah, and he'll do it for the foos, for sure. Oh, it's not good to hear that Larry Flint passed away. To be honest, I thought he had died years ago, but... <laughs> I mean, he had, he had himself a life. I was right. surprised he was still upright. He got a movie out of it. He did. Uh, who started? Woody Harrelson. Woody Harrelson and, and Courtney Love. That's right. right. She uh, she played the girl. I've seen that one. Recently. <laughs> Just caught it. Just watched it. Yeah. Yeah, I think at the time, Courtney Love, they, uh, everybody was praising her for that role. I think right. she was even uh, in the run for an Oscar or something uh, uh, back then. And uh, they thought she might have had a movie career ahead of her. But, uh, yeah, so Larry Flint, you know, the man who really brought the hardcore to us. Well, Playboy and Penthouse were uh, somewhat of a gentleman's magazine. Hustler was made for the scumbag in all of us. (laughs) (laughs) It really (laughs) took it to another level. Uh Uh, And when, uh, if you're of a certain age, 
before you had all the access to porn on your phone that you want. Hustler was a young man's wet dream, literally. Right. Yes, Playboy was about uh, artful, uh, yeah. tasteful stuff. Yeah. And, you know, important interviews with uh, leaders of uh, uh, economics and science. Well, and the articles. It was known for the articles. Actually, you know, that is the joke. But the writers were really right. good. It was. it was. Some of the, the writing in the interviews and the research uh, in Playboy uh, certainly was, was quite good. That's even why um, uh, Penthouse, uh, Bob Guccione, that owned that, went on to do a magazine called Omni, which was really just about science and invention and... So, yeah, there was some real truth to the fact that the writing in Playboy and Penthouse was, was really stellar. Yeah. Not so much in Hustler. No, not so much. <laughs> and part of the reason you might have thought he was gone years ago is because, you know, his health right. was a, a big issue after surviving an ass- assassination attempt. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, he was in a wheelchair for the rest of his life, right? right? Paralyzed. Yeah. So, uh yeah, there you go, Larry Flint. He he had himself a life and has left himself a legacy. <laughs> Hold up a magazine with one hand today and salute. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and uh, boy, oh boy, everybody quick to pounce on the boss, huh, with this uh, drunk driving charge. It, it, it's a difficult conversation. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's interesting. We had it earlier, and I must admit, uh, you know, it, the first time I read about this, you know, it's a day after we talked about Marco Muzzo. Mm. And and you hear drunk driving, and you hear Bruce Springsteen, and you think, uh-oh, you know, here's you know, rich guy. And I, I, one, I'm shocked he was even charged in New Jersey. Right. I mean, he's New Jersey's favorite son. He's the Lord there. You know, the, the cop who charged Bruce mm. is probably going to be vilified <laughs> in that state. Imagine if it's a young cop and he just didn't know who Bruce was. <laughs> you arrested the boss. But... When you look at the details of what happened here, you know, Bruce Springsteen blew point zero two. I could do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right. Probably I could. <laughs> the scary thing is, yep. you're probably true. Yeah. Point uh, zero eight is still the threshold in New Jersey. Right. Uh, he blew point zero two. Uh, he was charged with DWI. He was riding his motorcycle, and apparently, according to observers, this is not the official report, uh, but. Uh, some fans, you know, kind of pulled him over and said, hey, will you take a picture? So he did. Uh, he took a picture with them around his motorcycle, and they handed him a shot of tequila. Mm. And he did the shot and then drove off. That's when he was stopped. The cops watched all of that happen and then stopped him when he drove off. And he was in, like, a federal park. It was closed or something right. like that. And so that's why he gets, you know, there's, like, three charges involved. One is in closed property. He'll go to federal court. Mm. Not, you know, it, it's, it's really a, a really, very convoluted mix. But the first thing you're going to hear is you know, DUI for Bruce Springsteen. And Jeep had to pull their commercial. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big one, too, because he didn't do a lot of commercials. Oh, and, and, and certainly, not. no, he did none. He never, ever, in decades, attached his name to any product. Many, many companies rolled up the Brinks truck to offer him whatever he wanted, and he just wouldn't do it. And he, he, it's a perfect example of social media and how we like to pounce, right? Right. Because all of a sudden, conspiracy theories. Oh, why wasn't this so oh, funny how they were able to hide this before uh, the Super Bowl, and all of a sudden, now it's out. I mean, that is a little suspect. This happened in November. You would have thought it could have come out. Anytime between now and then, how does it come out a week, mm. at, not even a week after the Super Bowl commercial 
runs? Was there something to kind of keep this quiet until then? But at the same time, you know, I don't want to say is it really a big deal, but, it, you know, the question is, is this really a big deal? Right. Well, I mean, he, does, he doesn't have as much as a parking ticket mm. in that state. He's not, admittedly, not a drinker, mm. uh, per se. He's not a heavy drinker. He's, his father was an alcoholic, and so mm. uh, he's said he's never really taken to it. He'd have the odd drink every now and then, and obviously had one then. But point zero two is what he blew. Yeah, and, and again, this is one of those things where it's so quick to want to try to bring somebody down, right? Cancel culture. Yeah, he's the boss. He should have known better. And there he is just doing what he's always done, and that's pleasing his fans. These people, I mean, if, if I would charge him with anything, it would be stupidity for drinking something from some stranger. <laughs> right. You know, there's, <laughs> it's always been a rule, even in this business, that you never eat anything that's dropped off by listeners, and you never drink anything that somebody offers you when you don't know where it's coming from. We eat everything that listeners drop off. I do not. <laughs> really? I do not. No, sir, unless I know them. If somebody drops a cake off here just because they go, oh, oh, I'm a big right. fan, I don't go near it. <laughs> not a chance. Only because I've heard the stories of some people. Oh, really? Yeah, getting sick and getting drugged. And yeah, people are crazy. Yeah. Look, I, I will applaud Tom Brady. All this video of him hammered after the Super Bowl on a boat and all sorts of super spreader events, but right. that's beside the point. Yes. But at least he's not behind the wheel of the boat, and at least it doesn't look like he's hopping into his Lambo after drinking all night. I mean, he still looks like a, a jerk-off sports jog goof, but... <laughs> I can't stand <laughs> your contempt. <clears throat> oh, yeah. No, no. You know, I was thinking about my hatred of athletes and sports people in general, and I was thinking, where did that stem from? Because I remember as a kid being a Leaf fan, and I remember certainly in my heart of hearts that 1993 Gilmore-Wendell Clark run. I remember being in front of the TV for every game in that season and watching it and loving it. And Maria was even into it. And it was a whole family thing. So it thing. wasn't like a, a high school jock thing that you no, did? No, no. I was always into hockey. I always enjoyed sports until I actually had to be around them. Once I ended up working at that sports station and once my son got involved in hockey. Right. And I had to be around the parents and the others. The attitude, the lifestyle, the way they looked at things, the racism, the sexism, the, the, the frat boy mentality of almost all of them turned me completely off of it. Hmm. Just that. <laughs> because, I mean, one of the things you can't stand the most is the nicknames. or Yeah, that's all part of that whole frat boy thing. Lack of enthusiasm. But, but you will you know, turn on the mic and say it's your pally Craigie. Yeah, I guess so. But is that, is that the same? I don't know. I don't, well, isn't that just you know, adding an IE or a Y to your name? It seems different to me. <laughs> oh, you know what it might be? You know what it might be? I never refer... Nobody refers to me as Venner. Right. Don't ever call me Venner. Right. I, maybe that's it. It's always the last name. Mm. I think that drives me crazy. Right. Like mine. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, lucky. Like, could you have been born into more of a frat boy sports name? <laughs> <laughs> like you were born, you were born. Like I had anything to do with it. No, no, but you, you were born as the symbol of it all. You, like you probably came out of your mother with a baseball cap on backwards. Uh, what is it? Under Armour flip flops, ankle socks, and basketball shorts. That's how you came into this world. That's how you go out of this you world. Were bitter and smoking a dart when you came out. <laughs> No one ever has won an Oscar for Best Actor in their debut movie. 
But four women have won Best Actress in their debut. Oh. Julie Andrews for Mary Poppins and Barbara Streisand for Funny Girl. Really? I don't know what the other two are. They don't include them on the list. It's illegal to burn a foreign country's flag in Denmark, but it's legal to burn the Danish flag. So you can burn your own flag. <laughs> right. You just can't burn anybody else's. Disrespect us all you want. I guess so. A large part of the Antarctic was covered in rainforest approximately 90 million years ago. Hmm. I don't recall that. How is that possible? We, we, the, you know, the Lord making everything. That didn't happen 90 million years ago. <laughs> is there something wrong with that story? Created man. The International Space Station is the most expensive thing that's ever been built. The estimate cost, the estimated cost was more than $100 billion. Wow. Yeah. It's expensive to get stuff there. That's right. You yeah. can't just run around to the hardware store. <laughs> <laughs> the parts are on back order. You're missing a bolt. Yeah. An O-ring. All human beings have 99.9% of the same DNA. Ooh, that point one comes in very big. Yeah. Do it a test, right? Because right? when they're solving crimes, a lot of times it's found from that little bit of fiber somewhere. Right. Just ask OJ. That's right. The official animal of Scotland is the unicorn. <laughs> Go ahead and insert your... Oh, we wanted sheep so badly. <laughs> the Scots let us down again. Uh, the very first NBA game between the Toronto Huskies and the New York Knickerbockers in 1946, anyone over six foot eight got in for free. <laughs> they get to play. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> They're just recruiting. You're starting. <laughs> and you figure then, too, like the dunk hadn't happened at that point, right? Mm. It wasn't a legal play when, right. the, when the NBA first started. That makes sense because probably the guys were all small, right? right? Like what, six eight? Of course, very tall. Even by today's standards. Mm. But what's the average guy in the NBA now? Well, see, you've got your your, your centers and and kind of big forwards mm. in the six eight to seven foot category. Yeah. But then you've got your guards who are like six one. I'd say average is probably six four, six five. And the other thing too is since those days, not only have they grown up, they've grown out. Right. I mean, you see basketball players now, they're like the size of football players. Right. They're they're <laughs> cut and huge and Yeah. Be funny back then. How tall are you? Everybody coming in the gates and there's a tape measure, you know. <laughs> Kick off them poop kickers and get in these running shoes. Funny thing though, a beer still at that game, fourteen dollars. <laughs> <laughs> I only make fourteen dollars a month. One beer, I can't afford rent. <laughs> uh, Ghostbusters. This is interesting. Was originally written to feature a three-man team played by Aykroyd, Eddie Murphy, and John Belushi. Wow. But they rewrote the script after Belushi died. Okay. Yeah, and I don't well, know why. Aykroyd stayed on. Yeah. And I'd then... say they went a far cry down from Murphy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like, you know when you have guys, like, like earmarked for roles? Yeah. Yeah. I was watching a, a behind-the-scenes for Trading Places the other day, and they were mm. saying that, that role was written for Richard Pryor, and so and, but they couldn't afford him. Mm. So Eddie was, you know, an up-and-coming uh, well, comic at that point. He'd only done one movie. That was 48 Hours. Mm -hmm. He said he was really, you know, pun intended, raw. Uh, and so uh, they, they gave him that. And Aykroyd, they had thought, was basically done. Wow. He had had a movie that bombed before that after his SNL days, and they said, okay, well... We'll give him a shot. We think he can do this. They probably rewrote the Eddie Murphy part for 
Bill Murray. I mean, I think Andy yeah. would have had a larger part of it right. than, uh, I can't remember the other guy, <laughs> the black guy that was in it, because he was like a bit player in the whole uh-huh. Yeah, and so I always find those stories very interesting. And the whole Eddie Murphy-Richard Pryor relationship was, uh, was uh, interesting because I always assumed that Eddie, you know, probably looked up to Richard. Idolized, as a, yeah. yeah. but uh, Richard had some real issues with Eddie, and probably because he was biting at his heels, and mm. Richard's career was starting to dim, and he had all the health issues and the drug problems, and then there's a young kid that comes along. Suppose there's a story once where Richard Pryor showed up at a comedy club, you know, one of these things where he's a surprise guest at 1 o'clock in the morning. Uh, he goes on and does a set and kills and then they go, okay, we got, to, this is now when all the young bucks come in, the kind of the up-and-comers, and they get to do a set at like 3 in the morning, right? Up walks Eddie Murphy right after Richard Pryor, and Richard Pryor didn't leave the stage. He sat on the steps and stared up at him the yeah, entire time. That, uh, from something recently, like, uh, I say Arsenio was telling that story. Uh, he was like that, at right? the end of uh, the Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Uh, that's right. That's right. When you head backstage, Dave Chappelle, Chris Rock, I think there was somebody else, and Arsenio Hall. Right. Was Arsenio Hall busking that night? Was he? <laughs> he was waiting for Eddie. <laughs> <laughs> he said he'd be here. He's looking for a script. You know, this pandemic should reinforce the idea that to people that work in the service industry are incredibly important, but apparently some still aren't getting that message. You know, I have a, a simple rule in life when I'm going into a restaurant or I'm anywhere where an employee has to in some way take care of me. Right. I am very kind and generous to mm. them because if you are uh, uh, rude, disrespectful, you harass them, you, you, you bully them in any way, you're not coming out of the winning end of that. They're going to get back at you somehow, some way, especially if they're serving you food. (laughs) A bunch of people who work in uh, the restaurant industry and hotels and such were asked, uh, how do they get back at rude customers? And some good answers. Someone who works at a juice bar said they underblend people's smoothies so the little chunks block the straw. (laughs) That's great. That is great. subtle, (laughs) but so effective. Do you remember Joe Pesci in Casino? The sandwich for the cop, the pork's in it. There's another movie, too, where you see the guy. It's a comedy of some sort. And there's a, co- a guy who works at, like in a diner. Well, Dumb and Dumber. The French toast and shove it down their pants. Was uh, that Dumb and Dumber? No, no, no. Dumb and Dumber was, uh, was Seabass, Mohawk, and Oloogie. Right. That's right. Um, a deli worker said, when a customer is being a Karen, I squish the cheese together after I slice it so it's impossible to separate <laughs> later. <laughs> Someone who works at a hotel said if someone doesn't tip them after they help them with their bags, he'll call them a couple of times in the middle of the night. Wow. <laughs> Ouch. Yeah. A barista said that if someone's rude, they'll secretly give them decaf instead of regular coffee. Okay. A server said that when rude customers ask for butter, he gives them cold butter because he knows it'll rip up their bread. Right. And another restaurant worker said when someone's rude, they'll get crop dusted. We've also heard flight attendants do that as well. And I could see I could see that happening quite a bit. Did someone just poop themselves around here? Anyhow. That, that's a skill, though. Like, the crop dusting oh, is a, sure. a real skill to do, especially as flight attendant. Yeah. Well, I guess if you're walking up and down those aisles all, right. all day long for hours on end, you could probably get pretty talented so at it. It's not going to hold it. Yeah. I, got, I just got to get back to section C. I just got to get back to section Funny, C. Funny, though, like the coffee one for the decaf, that means they have to be rude off the bat. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. But you got to be rude in placing your order. 
Unless, unless you know you're a um, an ongoing customer, and they the staff go, oh, here comes Frank again. Right, gotcha. Get the, get out the decaf. Yeah. <laughs> here comes here comes Frank. Rock mornings with, with Craig Venn and Lucky, ninety four nine The Rock.